Hello, this is Joe Peters at Coldwell Banker, and I'm about to interview Chris Edwards, the president and CEO of the Somerset County Business Partnership, or SCBP, as it likes to be called. Listen in. Hello, it's Joe Peters from Coldwell Banker, and I'm sitting talking to Chris Edwards from the Somerset County Business Partnership. Chris, say hello. Hey, good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Hey, great, great, great. I thought we'd start by you explaining your background and how you got into the position that you're in. Sure. So uh, I uh, became CEO of the partnership in uh, March of, of 2020, which I think will go down in infamy um, as, as how the world changed. But previous to that, um, I, was, I was at the partnership uh, since... March of 2013. Uh, I started in sales, basically going out and getting membership uh, and, and, and working to uh, really build our visibility in Somerset County. Uh, and then uh, about three or four years ago, uh, I became vice president of, of business services when Diana Seberg, who was our longtime uh, membership person here at the partnership, retired. So, right. um, yeah, so the last, I guess, going almost on eight years now, I've been with the partnership. Previous to that, uh, my background is uh, political politics. Uh, I was a political science major at Rutgers uh, and then worked on several campaigns and on a congressional staff in New Jersey and in Washington, DC. So a lot of the stuff that we do here at the partnership when it comes to legislative affairs and engaging with the governmental side of the county um, feels feels a little bit at home to me. So it's uh, it's been an interesting journey and, uh, and COVID has just made it just a little bit more interesting. Wow, you know, I, I've known you for at least five, six, seven years and I didn't know half of that. So it's, it's something you learn every day. Um, how long were you in the Washington D.C. area? Um, just for just for a few years, I think for uh, two years in D.C. I was back and forth. The congressman I worked for had a home in uh, in New Jersey and in Washington, so I was. Uh, uh, they have a. I think my title was legislative aide, but uh, essentially I was the driver for the congressman. So wherever he went, I went. Right. Um, and uh, and basically, I I learned more about um, New Jersey transit and the Acela corridor than than I ever want to know uh, doing <laughs> those those trips. And uh, he was this was I lived down the shore and I spent a lot of times, a lot of nights sleeping in the rest stop in Monmouth because uh, we worked such long days that I was too tired to make it back to the house. So, uh, so it's wow. all, it's those stories that you have when you're in your early twenties that you kind of look back and go, wow, I can't believe I did this. I hear you. So I know you went to Rutgers. Um, you got a political science major out of Rutgers. Um, and you, you sort of were at the right place at the right time or the right place at the wrong time with the succession into CEO. It's almost like, Wow, what a year you got. I mean, you couldn't have picked a, a, a more difficult, challenging time to take the reins. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, a, lot, a lot of you might uh, know Mike Kerwin. He was the longtime CEO of the business partnership from 2009 to, to March of 2020 um, and, and really was my mentor here at the partnership. So 
you know, we, we joke uh, when I, I still talk to him fairly routinely and, and we joke about, you know, his timing of getting out uh, literally the week before we'd shut down. So um, the last time I saw my entire staff, which were a staff of seven, was March 13th. Uh, we had a pizza party for Mike uh, on his last day. And it was at that pizza party that I told the staff that they didn't have to, they could work from home the following Monday. So that was really my first official act uh, as CEO was telling people to leave, which I don't ever think I would have <laughs> imagined <Yeah>. doing. <laughs> That's amazing because I in my mind the twentieth was the last day we did business real estate wise and um, from a real estate viewpoint it was it was a very interesting year because other than what was in the pipeline transactions already in flight we really did nothing from March twentieth till about June first we really didn't list a lot of houses we didn't sell a lot of additional houses it went to sleep and if you want across the Pennsylvania they wouldn't even let you do open houses or show houses. So we were a little more advanced, um, liberal, I don't know what the right word is, and that we were allowed to show, but we started taking a lot of precautions. And then in June, as you know, it took off like a shot and it hasn't stopped since. So um, I know your business is a composite of an awful lot of things, but uh, I think others are like us. The economy isn't so bad based on where you're at. Let me give you a couple of observations and then let's see if we can blend them together um, sure. with the direction. Um, I talked with Mike, um, I'm really Jim Hughes of Rutgers at length, and he talks about the K-shaped curve. He says there are the credentialed executives who can work from home. And it's not everybody that can work from home. He says, and I agree with him, the people who pump gas and ring groceries and wait on tables have to go to work. And he said, so it depends where you're at. If you're in that upper part of the K, you're probably okay. You didn't get hurt that bad, if at all. If you're at the bottom half and you're mainstream America, you probably don't have as many hours on your time card anymore. And maybe you don't even have a job anymore. And then when I talked to John at uh, John Maddox, he said, yeah, but you're leaving out the, the first line responders because these are credential people who have to go to work and they're doctors and nurses and firemen and police and a lot of social, there's just a lot of people, even though they've got credentials, have to go to work. And by credentials, I mean education and skills. Right. So I think from what I'm seeing, the, the um, what, what Jim Hughes calls, and for part, people don't know who Jim is, he's the professor from Rutgers that speaks regularly. You've probably seen him on TV. Um, he's saying, Main Street America is hurt severely and and the credentialed people who can work remotely and the first responders aren't doing so bad. Um, and I, I tip my hat to the first responders because I can't imagine going back into harm's way every day and then coming home. I listened to the Dr. Bricks talk, or Burks maybe it is, talk about she has a clean room and she in effect... Uh, I think she retired recently, but she, she had elderly parents and young children and she just took everything off and got showered and then went into the house each day and vice versa on the way out. Um, your organization has about a half a dozen direct reports in it, but you have a lot of people in, on the different committees, the different boards, the different... Uh, aspects of the community partnership that you run. Uh, 
um, how transition us through with what I said in mind, what happened after March 13th? Uh, how did it go from March, April, and May? And has it gotten better, worse, or is it holding? Yeah, I think, Joe, um, you know, we, there's definitely, to your right, there are, there are two worlds out there. You know, I, I look back to my personal you know, spring of 2020, you know, spent inside basically my, my wife and my, my son. And I was depressed because, you know, I just got this job and, and, and this is not how I saw things going. And then you kind of sit back and you realize that, you know, you got all the, the folks who work at hospitals, long-term care, senior uh, living facilities, you have food stores, uh, convenience stores, gas stations, all these people who don't have the luxury. And then you look at the third component, which is the, in my mind, is like the, the retail hospitality industry, which essentially has just been asked to, you know, take a pause um, while, while we get through this. And I think that's, for me, you know, we do tourism here at the, the business partnership and we spend a lot of time talking with restaurants, restaurant owners, hotel, general managers, uh, venues around Somerset County. And to, you know, to see them, you know, have to lay off employees, have to figure out how to uh, do takeout and, and delivery um, and, and, be asked to do all this without much direct assistance. Um, you know, I could talk about the payroll protection program. You know, I, I, I definitely see why we did, why the first round was the way it was, because you had to get a lot of money out from the federal government quick. Um, but the, it, it's one of the things I've been advocating a lot for over the last nine, 10 months is trying to get some direct relief more towards the, the hospitality industry um, as they've really had a had a shut down the most. So I, I almost look at it, Joe, as three sectors. You get the people who work from home, the frontline workers, and then a, a retail hospitality industry that you can't, you can't, they're not frontline workers, but you can't ask them to, to work from home. The business model just doesn't work that way. Right. And we've tried to, we've tried to work with all three in, in various areas. I can tell you, Joe, that between March, March, say 20th and June 20th, uh, we did about four times as many programs virtually in that time as we did the previous year in person uh, via the partnership. And the amount of um, interest we were getting from not just our membership, but the entire business community in Somerset County was unbelievable. I can tell you, you know, one of the hardest things we had to do here was, um, you know, move the phone system to a call forwarding for our staff who was working remotely um, and figuring out how we were going to take all these phone calls because we were getting phone calls from cafes in Montgomery or dry cleaners in Warren um, and everything in between, just looking, you know, how, yes, we know all this information's out there. What does this mean to my business? And everything was just so personal. Um, and one phone call would be completely different from the other, the next, even though you were talking about essentially the same thing. So we almost became like a, a crisis hotline or a, a call center uh, for those first few months 
we were doing virtual programs with three, 300, 500 people. Uh, you know, typically when we would have 20 people in the conference room. So, um, so it's, it, the, those first few months were pretty extraordinary as everyone tried to alter their life um, for the new normal. Um, I'm not sure about you. I, I, I was probably a little naive back in March and April. I, my mindset was, you know, we get to the 4th of July and things will start slowly right. returning to normal. And um, I, I remember I started putting plans in place in May for a bring the staff back to work policy and, and some of the things we were going to do for the rest of the year. And then things just felt frozen in time. And I think things picked up a little bit in for us uh, in August, September, October. I think those were like the lowest points in terms of COVID in between the two, uh, the two peaks. And we started doing some in-person events, uh, albeit, you know, we wore masks and we were at the, we did outdoors at the uh, Somerset Patriots ballpark. Um, and you start to feel like businesses, especially our small businesses who rely on us for networking and marketing start to inch a little bit closer to some normalcy. And then, and then in November, the second peak really started to pick up and that on top of the holidays, you can really just kind of see, I feel like we're a little bit frozen in time again, like we were um, back in the spring. Uh, so that's really kind of where we're at here is, you know, we're still doing a lot of programs. Uh, we're making plans this year for, uh, you know, returning uh, to in-person uh, connectivity, which I think is extremely important for the business community is to find safe ways to, to get together, especially with a lot of us working from home. Um, and there's a lot of isolation in there. Um, so I think a lot of what we can do is, is bring people back together. Um, so that's, that's where we're, we're at right now, Joe, it's really been a, a bit of a roller coaster. Um, and, and I, I hate to say it, but it almost feels like we've settled into, settled into this new normal to a point where, uh, some of the things that we used to do might seem a little foreign when we get back to them. Yeah, I, I think it's going to definitely be a hybrid. Um, I know I traveled for a living for 12 or 15 years and, um, where I'd get on a plane every Monday morning, it wouldn't be an act this Friday night or Saturday. And. I look back at some of the trips I made. I mean, back in the dot-com, which was 99, I flew to walmart.com in San Francisco on Post Street. And we had a stand-up meeting for one hour in the lobby because there was no place to sit down. There was no room <laughs> left. The business was moving that fast. And I look back and I said, we could have done that over Zoom. <laughs> it's, it's insane. I mean, Zoom would have been a great stock to have bought uh, a year ago. Uh, and there's others besides Zoom, but Zoom seems to do a fact of name for everything. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I look at what Jim is saying, and it, it startles me because he, Jim Hughes said, we put better than 50% back of, of our people back to work within five months. And that's an, a startling number, thinking that, that another five months will be back to normal. And he says, no, that was the easy 50%. He's saying the balance is probably going to take us multiple years to get back to work if we ever get back to where we were. And that's kind of scary because you've got these different levels of society in work. The, the skilled professionals didn't miss a beat. The, the frontline people are burnt out. Um, 
and the people who need it the most didn't get what the government promised them. I mean, I can remember somebody saying, and I don't care which kind of side of the fence are you on, but you probably remember this as well. Don't worry, it'll be retroactive when it comes. Well, it wasn't, it never came. And when it came, it was half of what they promised and it wasn't retroactive. And those are the people who need it the most. And the other side of the argument is that, oh yeah, but this $75,000 limit is not targeted. It's not pinpointed enough. But I heard somebody say, who was sort of middle of the road, said, why does it matter? Three quarters to 90% of the people under 75 need this $2,000 to stimulate the economy. We seem to be stuck in a political quagmire. Um, and I, I don't want to turn this into a political conversation, but we've let our people down. And there's the people that hurt the most got the least. And that's kind of tough. Yeah, yeah, I, I you know, um, Somerset County is filled with a lot of thousands of small businesses, uh, downtowns, uh, you know, most of the businesses in Somerset County are 10 or, 10 or less employees. And um, I think one of the things you talked about getting that other, other 50% of employment back, you know, over the next few months, 2021, several years. Yeah, I, I tend to agree it's going to take a while. I do think, you know, I talked about this one column being hospitality, and I do think um, those are a lot of jobs are going to come back this year in, in that sector. You think about, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of restaurants that I've seen in Somerset County and around the region where they actually closed down uh, the first week of January, and they're going to reopen in March or April, you know, just trying to get through these slowest of months. And I do think, uh, especially rest with restaurants that can go back to that outdoor dining right. um, in, in the spring, um, they're going to be able to bring a lot of people back. Um, I think you look at wedding venues and hotels, um, you know, I, th I think they'll, they'll start to bring people back. Uh, I think one of the things that um, you know, one of the reasons why it won't go back that 50% right away, especially in Somerset County, is about 70% of the travel in Somerset County is business travel. And that travel, you know, when I talk to our, you know, major companies in the county, that is one of the last things that's going to come back. You just mentioned your trip to San Francisco you know, we have Pfizer and Ferraro and Nestle and companies that are typically shuttling people around the world at all times. Um, right. That type of stuff is not going to happen for a handful of years. And the way it's going to happen is going to be completely different. You know, I think it's going to be more based on essential employees traveling. Uh, they're going to, everyone's going to look now to Zoom to, to cut costs. So instead of doing these big conferences, you know, where you rent out a Marriott for a week, um, you know, people realize now that they can do it this way. And, you know, it might not be the same, but you're, the amount of money you're always is going to save is always going to be is always going to trump that right, Joe. So, um, yep. so that's, you know, that's one of those things where when I talk to people about the hospitality industry, if you say, in on March 1st of 2020, we were at 100% business, whatever, whatever that is, right. And we talk to hotels now who are at 5%, 10%, 20% capacity. 
Wow. And we got to get them back up as close to 100% as possible. And it, it won't just be, uh, it may not ever get there. Um, and we're not going to get back there just through ending COVID. It's going to be um, promoting our attractions. It's going to be, you know, the Patriots' new affiliation with the New York Yankees. Uh, it's going to be um, finding different ways to get uh, uh, events to happen outside of business facilities. So, um, so we have to be creative um, uh, in Somerset County to really bring back a lot of that business was lost. So um, I, I hate to be pessimistic, but I do agree with Jim Hughes that that, that latter 50% is gonna take a lot longer than I think a lot of people suspect. Yeah, I think it's going to be strenuous. And I, I look at um, John, after I talked with John Maddox, who's on your staff, um, he does our economic development and my podcast with him is online along with this one. Um, he, he said, you really want to talk to Mike McDonough, who runs Raritan Valley Community College, because he really has two schools there. He has the normal school that everybody understands. And then he has the workforce development school and workforce development is like a wartime economy. We got to keep it going. We can't let it stop. We need those people to keep our economy going in Hunter and Somerset County. But I meld together what different people have said. And what Jim Hughes said was all those people who used to work in New York who are now working in Hunter and Somerset County out of their homes left behind maybe three to one proportion of service people that used to support them. They drove the buses, they ran the elevators, they made the coffee. Um, all of those people are now in that percentage that's hard to get back to work. Yet, if we're now in Somerset County and we're working out of our home and not seeing ourselves going back to New York the way we did, if ever, um, and I'll give you another example. We even have people, I live in Hunterdon County near Clinton, and I have people who work in Basking Ridge for AT&T that are not going back 22 miles to Basking Ridge. So right. their right. buying habits are now local where they are. And this is all over the place. And I'm not saying this is a major part of our economy, but it's, it's a significant part. It's at least 25, maybe 35% of our economy is now working from home, which means they're going to buy lunch in a different place and they're going to not buy as much gasoline and they're not going to. So we have all sorts of ancillary things happening like, um, I, where I live is Exxon and Exxon is going through massive rethinking right now because I filled my gas tank up for the first time since March last week. At that, I was putting $20 in when I needed it. And I, I probably, cause I have a lease and I was way over on the miles. I probably now won't even use the miles up. I've got, it went from four or 5,000 miles uh, in an average month to, to two or 300. And that's a big change because there's a lot of people involved. Um, there's some good to it too. The emissions control will be helpful, but I'm not sure our suburbs are ready for what John describes as the jobs following to where the workers are because I think it's good news to Somerset County. And as I said, I live in Hunter it's a hundred and as well. But if the people aren't going to work, the jobs have to come out to find the workers. 
And that's good news because we're benefiting, we're the beneficiaries of this move. Um, and, and an interesting statistic that probably only Joe Peters knows <laughs> is that we are now ahead of last year in units and the year just ended. So the 2020 beat 2019 in total units sold, but it beat it by 4% in Somerset County and it beat it by 25% in Hunterdon County. Wow. So um, there's a little bit of, I can't find it in Somerset County. I'll keep going. It's a little yeah. cheaper, a little nicer, bucolic wise, and, and you get a little more land for your money. But I think it's a little bit of, I don't need to be anywhere near work. So I could be in the Carolinas. I have a lot of people that have sold their primary house and moved down the shore to their shore house, which now they can claim as a tax deduction. Yep. And our yeah, population I, is moving all over the place. Yeah, no, it's um, look, we the the business partnership launched a digital marketing campaign for our the first time in our history um, to target people who live in and around New York City uh, who are looking of moving out to the to the suburbs and attracting them to Somerset County. We we fully do believe here that at the partnership that. Um, the employees for like the first time, maybe, you know, in, in human history are really driving the bus when it comes to where companies are going to locate to. Um, and, uh, and I'm not sure how long that boom lasts, Joe. I, I think, you know, I, I go back, you know, to, uh, you know, we're closing in on the 20, 20 year anniversary of 9-11 this year. And, you know, after 9-11, there was talks of, you know, no one was going to live in Manhattan again. And then they're three or four years after that, they're in a boom. Right. Um, you know, I think the same thing happens to New York City. I, I don't know how long it takes, but I think these things are kind of secular now where um, people move out and then and then a new generation moves in. And um, but I do think, you know, if you talk about the typical person, I, I've never had a job in the city, but I had a lot of friends, especially when I lived along the uh, transit corridor in New Brunswick and even South Amboy, who um, they'd go to New York for work, but not only are they there for work, as you mentioned, they're there for breakfast, they're there for lunch, maybe they're doing errands there before they get back on the train or bus home. Um, all that type of business when you're hiring locally um, and you work locally goes back into the economy. Um, now, I think it's gonna change, Joe. I think you're gonna see certain industries benefit. Um, I, I think you're going to see other industries, you know, unfortunately, like the restaurant industry, who was already starting to struggle with lunchtime uh, business meetings. You know, I really think that that's, that's a thing of the past, um, typically at the extent that we were used to, because uh, restaurants would go and put a restaurant right next to a, an office building or an office complex. Well, if people aren't working there around lunchtime, it's not really a great business model. So I think things like that are gonna hurt, but I do think the local service industry um, as a general might see an uptick of business because people are, they wanna do business in and around where they work. I listened to a podcast yesterday that, um, I'm trying to remember who pointed me to it. It was another podcast I listened to and a guy was talking about how the service economy has gotten hurt disproportionately. And it depends where you're at, the more remote the more you got hurt. And the two examples he gave was San Francisco and Hawaii. He said, 
both economies are primarily tourism economies and the tourism isn't going to happen because it's it's lopsided. Nobody's going to Hawaii. As a matter of fact, I was on a call this morning and uh, the woman who runs just at home is in Hawaii and she was telling us about her, her trip getting there, uh, uh, Janet Keebler. Um, but <laughs> they're so lopsided because of travel, they may never get back to where they were. And it's a travel-related economy where yeah. people who... I'll give you a good example. I, I work with Brad Fay, who runs the Central Jersey Travel Association. It's got a different name for it, but his interviews on my blog as well, my podcast as well. Um, he he mentioned a couple of places we went and tried because we just wanted to get out of the house. Yep. People yep. definitely want to get out of the house. And that's why they're sitting in the exit ramps in restaurants outside watching cars go by at 40 miles an hour eating their pizza. They want to get out of the house. They don't yep. need to eat there. They just need something different to do. And that's about as far away as they want to go. But we play a game, Marilyn and I, of how can we get it without leaving the house? Um, we, we, no matter what it is, we've just about figured a way of getting it delivered because I'm not walking into a drugstore and I'm not going to go to a, a you know, I, I, I bruised my leg about two weeks ago. She said, maybe you should go to the hospital and have it checked. I said, I'll go figure another way out. <laughs> and, well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, Joe, I, I think um, I was, I was talking, I'm going to give, give him credit. The, uh, the sales manager at, at the new AC hotel in, in Bridgewater. And he said something to me, I guess this was back in November. He called it uh, revenge tourism. And that's essentially the idea that in the spring, that people are just gonna take you know date nights and 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 weekend stays and it's not as you mentioned it's not you know that long-term planning of planning a trip to hawaii or florida or maybe even something a little bit closer you really can't do that right now but i think a lot of people come march and april are going to do the the weekend trip if if it's possible i'm, I'm very right. hopeful that it's possible and and, and, and we're going to have to rely on the leisure travel for, you know, for, for business right now. But I do think, um, you know, I, I, look, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I, every now and then I, I go online and I'm like, oh, you know, uh, maybe, you know, oh, it's a $300 flight round trip to the Keys. You know, that doesn't sound too bad. And then you, you think, start thinking of, you know, I got to take my kid through the airport with all this. I got to, you know, on the plane, I got to, you know, going out to eat down there, you know, do you yep. want to, do you want to do all, all that? And then, you know, going out to, you know, uh, going out in Somerville for, for the evening, you know, is, is a good, it's, it's, a, it's a very nice fallback option. And I think, um, I think we're primed in the spring to, to, um, to really bring people back. As, as you're, as you said, people just, they need to get out. I mean, I'm even past like a want it's, it's a need to get out and, and kind of reassimilate back into, uh, a, sem a, a certain semblance of normalcy. So talk about, we started a little bit offline before we got into it, how the SCBP is addressing the next steps. Yeah, so um, I, I mentioned to you, I, I view 2021 in three phases uh, here at, 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 at the partnership and how we're going to connect with the business community. So the, the first phase is, is very similar to what we're in now, which for most people, 
um, you know, depending on your situation is, is just where we've been in COVID, working from home, uh, like myself, working in a completely empty office building. Um, and I think that's going to be normal uh, until things start to warm up. Uh, and I'm, I'm really praying for an early spring <laughs> this year. But I think um, uh, come April, May, we're looking to do everything that we normally did at the partnership um, starting to bring that outdoors, uh, whether it's, you know, small business meetings, uh, a bigger event like our citizen of the year dinner, which typically gets like 300 people. Um, I think that's going to be an outdoor venue. Um, and that's going to be most of the summer is getting people back together. Um, you know, I hope most people have had, will get a vaccine by June, but you know, you watch the news right now and you start questioning that. But I do think a lot of people would feel comfortable being outside uh, this summer and then hopefully in the fall getting back um, to what we know is a more of a business normal uh, standpoint where we can do traditional uh, educational programs in our conference room and, and do some smaller business gatherings around the county. Um, but that's so we're, we're kind of looking at it in, in three phases. Um, I do tell when I talk to a lot of nonprofits who, you know, they need events for their fundraising. You know, I, I think in 2020, we got, we got away with doing virtual. I think, you know, donors and people who are attending these events um, understood that, you know, this was the only way we can do things. I think in 2021, it's a little bit different. I think everyone has to be a little creative with their events. Um, I know we're going to try some outside the box uh, ideas. We're looking at doing a golf outing uh, in, in April. And typically for the 50 year history of the partnership, it's been later on in the year. But I think golf is one of those things that'll come back before um, other types of events. So that's the way in my head I'm, I'm framing it out is this, this three phases uh, of, a, of a recovery. Um, but I, I do think some of the virtual things that we've done are just here to stay, period. Um, and and we're, we're going to incorporate that into our programming as well. Well, that's great. Well, here's what I suggest. Our time's coming near to an end. Um, I suggest maybe we do this on a quarterly basis and keep people informed as to what's happening um, we both talk to a lot of people and um, there's a lot of information to be exchanged without being offering opinion, which turns information into politics, I think. But you're the political science major, you tell me. But <laughs> I think conversations like this that people can tune into and understand what's coming their way is gen are genuine. Um, but I look at the vaccine as the glimmer of hope. Um, but Marilyn and I are both over 70. So we're in the second group to get it and they're forecasting now March. Now, if, if you're over 70 and you're not gonna get it till all the people that really should get it first, um, get it, then the people in mass that are behind us, which are those fervor levels down the period, there's, there's million, there's, there's a lot of people over 70, a lot of people over 65, but when you get that number down to 50, 55, there's a lot, lot more people. I think it's gonna take a while and then you'll always have a little bit of reluctance in some people's part, but that's okay. That's their choice. Um, I sure hope it's, it's this year by the time we're starting to feel normal. Um, yeah, yeah, I, 
I'm with you, Joe. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm towards the back of the bus when it comes to a, uh, a vaccine and that that's okay. I do think, um, you know, we, we gotta, we have to protect our most vulnerable population. Um, and I think we've learned things, you know, I think things like mask wearing and social distancing are probably here, even, even from a business meeting standpoint, um, throughout 2021. Um, and we'll adapt, you know, like I said, I made, a, <laughs> I've already made a few assumptions that were incorrect about a timetable. Um, I really hope that I'm, I'm wrong on this, but it's, it's hard to, you know, kind of see the pace that we're at and kind of think that the entire population or at least 70% of the population can get vaccinated by, by June. Yeah. From your lips to God's ears, I certainly hope it can, or at least are confident enough to take the initial steps. And if we can make outdoors as, as those initial steps, um, there's a lot of people that need to get their life back in order. And there's, there's a lot, I have a couple of divorce attorneys in my business groups and they're telling me horror stories of, uh, people that never spent this much time together. <laughs> and, well, and I, I think Tony's going to be watching this, Joe. So uh, I'm going to say that uh, we had a really good time the last nine months in the house with a two-year-old. Um, I can imagine. I can tell you my my schedule today was um, Carson was with me from eight to eleven. That's when Tony teaches upstairs in our spare bedroom. Okay. Um, he only dropped in on you know uh, a few times in my my Zoom meeting, so it wasn't too bad. And then at 11 o'clock, she comes down and, and I come into the building um, and then we'll, we'll do another switch uh, later on here today. And I know, you know, a lot of you are out there with similar stories and it's just, uh, you know, I hope we can, can look back on this time, time and laugh. But I, I know for a lot of people, this is, you know, it's, it's way more in the funny story. This is, this has really altered uh, a lot of lives. And I know from the business community here at the partnership, we're here to help. Um, we're, we're here to, it's not just about networking. It's about getting, getting your business back on track throughout all this. So, um, if anyone out there, you know, has any questions, uh, the, my staff here at the, the partnership is more than happy to, uh, Great. talk to you. And when I post this, which is where most people will find it, I will put all your contact information for the partnership up there, partnership up there so that they can easily find it and get the call forwarded to whoever it <laughs> needs to be. But I mean, we're all in this together and I think we're probably a lot more fortunate than some people in some other places. Um, we're, we're pretty much a county of Somerset of having a little bit of elbow room. And when you get into hundred and you get a little even more elbow room, but if you were a county or fur too further in, you're on 50 by 100 lots, a lot of times. And it's not this, luxurious as far as a comfort level. Um, but I appreciate the time you spent with me and I will follow up. I mean, it's around the first of the year. I'll follow up around uh, the first of April and we'll pick it up from there and we'll see how accurate our forecasts were or weren't. And <laughs> oh, that scares me, Joe. <laughs> but, but we are progressing. I mean, there is hope. We didn't have hope 30 days ago. The vaccine is now, I think, three people approved on it. And there's more coming and the, the numbers are just getting it out. The testing is there so that we can test at home now. Um, and I'll tell you, I got two gifts for Christmas that I never expected to get. 
a little wand that I can wave over things for 15 seconds to disinfect them, and a thing to put my telephone in, which looks like a coffin for telephones, that disinfects the phone and the keys and the, whatever else you want to put in there. So yeah. we got that, and we got the little thing on your keychain that opens doors too, so you never have to touch a door again. I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. That, that doorknob has become your mortal enemy. <laughs> Chris, thanks a lot. Good luck to you and keep in touch and uh, say hello to your wife and son for us. I mean, I, I want to see Carson so bad. I mean, he's the last time I saw him, Marilyn was holding him. He was about two months old. <laughs> now he's he's out there. He's just a little boy like, doing what all little boys do. Look at that picture. I love it. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, I told I told uh, Tony when I got the job you know, a, a couple of weeks before COVID that, you know, one of the downsides of the position is, the, the thing falls, um, one of the downsides of the position is, you know, I uh, I don't get to be a home a lot right. because I'm out at events and then COVID hits and and I'm there all the time. So it's just, uh, you know, it's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. And it worked for her. I guess she's not going back to work yet either. No, uh, she's been virtual since Thanksgiving. Uh, her, she uh, teaches in Linden, and they they plan to go back the middle of January. But you know, like a lot of you out there with schools, you just it's kind of a week by week uh, thing right now. Well, great, Chris. Once again, thank you, and we'll be back to you in three months. Wow, wasn't that an insightful interview with Chris Edwards? Can you imagine being appointed to a new position like that just a few days before the COVID outbreak? I tip my hat to him. He's done a wonderful job in keeping the organization on goal, and we look forward to talking with him again in the future. One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker sales associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his clients' best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. Then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908-238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.